Well, today we are finishing up our summer sermon series on rediscovering the kingdom of God for those with eyes to see. We began 10 weeks ago actually looking at the Old Testament and the establishment of this whole concept of the kingdom of God uh, through uh, David and Solomon. And then we spent several weeks exploring what Jesus taught us through his parables and, and his imagery and his prayers about the kingdom of God. And today we're wrapping this up by taking a look at John's vision of the culmination of all things in the kingdom of God in the book of Revelation. Some of you may remember uh, last winter a little book was published. It was called Heaven is for Real. Anybody read that? Yeah, some of you. Well, I, I confess I did not read it. Um, and, and I don't have anything against it. But um, the thing is, I didn't need an 11-year-old boy to tell me heaven is for real because we have had righteous men and women. We have had people of God telling us that for not just decades, but for centuries. Whether it's back to Isaiah's vision of the peaceable kingdom or we have Jesus' parables about the kingdom of God. Or in today's lesson, we have John's vision of the, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven and establishing a new heaven and a new earth. I didn't need to read that book because I've read this book. And the main theme of this book is heaven is for real. And that's what we're going to talk about today. The vision that John has of all things coming together in the glory of God where heaven and earth become one. I'd invite you to read along with me. I'm reading today from the book of Revelation, John's vision in the 21st chapter. Let us listen for God's word to us. John says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. My friends, the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. You never fail. You never fail in blessing us in the reading and hearing of your sacred word. And for that, we give you thanks. 
Lord, I pray that your spirit would rest upon me, that you would guide my thoughts, that you would give me words to speak, that faith, with faithfulness and with integrity, I might proclaim the wonderful good news of your redeeming love. Amen. So the kingdom of God is a big topic. It is a big, we, we know that it was Jesus' favorite thing to talk about. Every chance he got, he taught about the kingdom of God. And now, decades after Jesus' death, one of the apostles, John, is given a vision by God of the kingdom of God. A kingdom of God that is so grand and glorious that it combines every aspect of reality from, from past, present, and future, the living and the dead, what is, what shall be, what shall come, heaven and earth, all combined into the realm of God's sovereign love. Now, whenever I read from the book of Revelation, I always feel a bit of sympathy for John in trying to write this vision. You know, there are some experiences that we have, some, some realities that we know that it's just hard to put into words. The uh, philosopher uh, Wittgenstein said that the limits of our language are the limits of our world. And in many ways, that's true for our theology as well. The limits of our vocabulary are the limits of our ability to understand and express the amazing things that God does in the world and in the lives of human beings. And yet, nonetheless, John is told to write. Write these things down. And so, as, as inadequate as words are, it's all we have to express John's vision of what he saw of the new heaven and the new earth. Now, the vision takes the whole book of Revelation, and obviously we could, can't do that on a Sunday morning, but I want to lift up four words that, while individually are inadequate, combined, I think, give us a fuller picture of what John is talking about in his vision of the kingdom of God. We're going back to school very soon. Uh, some kids start this week. Some have got another week to go. And we all know at school they focus on the three R's, right? Reading, writing, arithmetic. Well, today we're going to have the four R's. We have reclamation. There we go. Reclamation, redemption, reconciliation, and restoration. And did you guys mess with the order of that? <laughs> It seems like it's a different order than it was last service. I'm just mentioning that. <laughs> the four R's of John's vision. First of all, reclamation. Reclamation means to reclaim something or someone that belongs to you. It's yours, but you've lost it, and you get it back. Did you all see that story in the news this past week? It literally brought tears to my eyes. It was a story about a little girl who 10 years ago, in that horrible tsunami that hit Southeast Asia, she was four years old, and she was literally ripped from her mother's 
hand by the tsunami and washed out to sea at four. Last week, 10 years later, this is her being reunited with her family 10 years later. This little girl was washed out to sea. She grabbed something. She floated. She ended up on a, a kind of a remote little island out there. Some fishermen found her, and they took her to shore to a whole different country where she was cared for and raised by this elderly woman. And then just by happenstance, or as we Presbyterians would say, the providence of God, a relative, an uncle, happened to be passing through that village, saw the girl, recognized her. She ran up to him and threw her arms around him, and he brought her 500 miles back to her family 10 years after she had been lost. Is God good or what? That, my friends, is reclamation. That's what it means to be lost and found again. That's what it means to be reunited with the, with the ones that you love and who love you. I, it, just, it, it just brings tears to my eyes to think of what that family had been through and how God is good in putting that family back together. And John says that's what the kingdom of God is like. It's like an experience of reclamation that we, the beautiful, good creation that, that God delights in, we were once lost to God because of our sin, because of our pride, because of our arrogance. We were lost to God, and we have been wanderers and sojourners throughout creation, separated from the God who created us, separated from the Father in heaven who loves us, and the kingdom of God. John's vision here is of a reclamation of God throwing his arms around the people that he loves and saying, you are mine once again. The kingdom of God is about being reclaimed by the God who loves us. The second word, redemption. Do you know what it means to redeem something? It means to get back something that belonged to you. Anybody ever use the services of a pawn shop? I have. I'm not embarrassed. I have. It was in college. Back then, I had a really killer set of stereo speakers. Now, technology isn't what it is today. I mean, today's speakers are just, they fit in your hand. Back then, I mean, these were dorm speakers. They were about four feet tall and, you know, two feet wide. And, you know, I could knock down walls with these speakers. I loved those speakers. But at one point, I was short on cash. And so I, I came with a plan. I could take my speakers to the pawn shop. And they gave me like 20 bucks or something. But I knew I was going to get money later, about a week or two later, and I'd just go back and buy them back, right? No problem. So I went and I got 20 bucks or whatever it was. I went back a week or two later, and instead of 20 bucks, they wanted 200 bucks. There was like a 100% markup on these things. And I was furious. I didn't have 200 bucks. If I had 200 bucks, I wouldn't have had to borrow the 20 bucks in the first place. So I never did get my speakers back. But it was a good lesson in redemption. Because redemption is rarely cheap or easy. The Bible tells us that the story of God is the story of redemption. Of God getting back something that belonged to Him. 
But it's not cheap and it's not easy. It costs God the life of His very own Son. We had messed things up so horribly. We had failed so miserably. We had corrupted so much. There was a serious price to be paid for us to be reunited and set right with God. But God did not flinch. He sent His Son into this world to show us what God is like, to lead the way into the kingdom, and to die on the cross, the price of our redemption. Never underestimate God's love for you. Never underestimate to what lengths God will go to bless you and to love you and to provide for you. Redemption it ain't cheap. The third R, reconciliation. Now I know probably none of y'all ever have a problem with this, but every once in a while, not that all, every once in a while, the numbers written in my checkbook register don't match the numbers on my bank statement. Accountants know that as a need for reconciliation. Right, Louise? A need for reconciliation. That's when two dissimilar things are made compatible. They are reconciled. Okay? The Apostle Paul loves to talk about reconciliation in theological languages. He says that's what God was doing in His Son, Jesus Christ. He was taking two incompatible, two dissimilar, two disparate things and bringing them together as one. He points out the, the sinfulness of humanity and the holy righteousness of God. And he says, how can these two things ever come together? How can that chasm, that divide, that, that wall that separates God from human beings, how can that ever be, be, be breached? How can there be a coming together of these things? He says, only through Jesus Christ, through his death and his resurrection and his new life, can God bridge that gap. And Jesus literally stands in the breach and reunites sinful humans with a righteous God. And it is only through Christ that God is able to bring reconciliation, bringing Two very different things, us and God, together into one holy union. And that happens by faith. Paul goes on to say, as God has reconciled us to Himself, so we who have been reconciled to God, we have been charged with a ministry of reconciliation with others. That means that just as there, that God was willing to go to tremendous lengths to be reconciled to His beloved creation, we must make every effort to be reconciled to each other. Even, Jesus said, if it means loving your enemies. John's vision of the culmination of the kingdom of God 
is a reconciled community of all sorts of of different, disparate, uh, diverse parts that by the power of God are brought together and unified in Christ for the glory of God. Reclamation, redemption, and reconciliation. The other word, though, I want to lift up is restoration. To restore something to the way it used to be. I have a friend in Richmond, Virginia, and she has a a business where she um, um, goes out and, and gets old furniture and stuff and refinishes and restores this furniture, and she's very good at it. But what's kind of cool is she does more than just furniture, more than tables and things. She also does some of these old appliances, like old, uh, not refrigerators, but ice boxes. And even she's uh, restored some of these old phones. You remember the, the phones that hung on the wall, and you would hold the mouthpiece, and you would, you would crank the handle? Rem- remember those? Paul, you remember those, right? Well, she can fix those and make them work again. I mean, she's just amazing. The name of her business is Better Than New. And it's true. And she takes things that were once good and once worked, and now she makes them better. If there's like a hinge that's broken and the, the hinge, if she can't fix it, she actually will scour the country and find another hinge somewhere of the same make, model, and, and of that, whatever it is, and she will pay and bring it in and put it on so that not only is it the exact same thing, but it actually works better than it did in the first place. She's doing quite well in her business, better than new. Well, Paul says that that's what God is doing also. He says that God is restoring all of creation and making it better than new. And the thing about the word restoration, the, the other words tend to be very personal and connected to relationship, but restore implies not just human beings. It, it implies not just God's concern for our individual welfare, but there's a collective here. There's a wholeness about it because the thing we call the fall, that, that moment of sin, the loss of grace, affected all of creation. You know, when God created all that exists, there was no hint or there, there was no corruption. Uh, there, there was no stain. There was no dysfunction. All of creation, Paul says, is now stained by sin. It's, it's a shadow of what God created it to be. And here in the vision that John has, it's not just individual human beings, but but the new Jerusalem, the new heaven, the new earth, all things are made better than new. All things in all of creation will be restored and brought back to the glory, to the beauty, to the wonder in which they were originally created by God. It's a grand vision, better than new. We have a staff member here, Travis Lewis, and and I know many of you know Travis, and Travis is delightful. One of the things I like about Travis is whenever you ask him, how are you doing? What does he respond? 
Better than perfect, right? Better than perfect. Well, it always makes me smile because a few years back when I was doing my uh, doctoral thesis, we had a little joke with uh, my, my fellow students as we were all working on our thesis and all this, and we used to say, you know what's better than perfect? Finished. <laughs> Finished is better than perfect. And that's what we have here in John's vision. It's a vision of the finished product, the culmination of the kingdom of God. It is the, 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 the ultimate expression of God's work of reclamation and redemption and reconciliation and restoration. And it's perfect, complete, without fault or error, and it's finished. And so friends, what I want you to take away from this is no matter what anxieties or fears or concerns that you have about your life or about your children's life or about the future, what you need to hear is that in the work of Jesus Christ, God has completed the kingdom. God says, don't worry, I got this, and it's done. So all that's left for God's creation and for each individual heart, past, present, and future, all the saints of the kingdom is nothing but to fall on our knees and to sing the praises of our glorious God Holy, 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 it is done. The Alpha and the Omega. Amen.